Welcome, adventurers. This is MuseCast 14, your podcast for everything roleplay in the world of Eorzea. I'm your co-host, Emmy, And I'm your co-host, Remix Sakura. And we are coming to you from the aftermath of the 2016 North American Final Fantasy Fan Festival in Las Vegas. And joining us today is another very special guest. He is a prolific YouTuber and lore commentator and an advocate of video game lore as literature. Please welcome to MuseCast, Ethis Asher. Thanks for having me, guys. Calling it an aftermath might seem bollock to people. They don't understand. You don't understand. FanFest is a very, very exhausting, fun, but exhausting experience. With with that said, you guys can probably tell that I don't actually sound anything like Ethis today, but I am in fact Ethis. Can confirm. I was was yelling Sephiroth a little bit too loudly last night. At the, uh, at the Primals concert. But, um, that was a great concert, by the way. That was amazing. It was great. Was so good. I think the time when I yelled the loudest was during the keynote, when they're like, oh, 3.0, we went to Ishgard. Where are we going in 4.0? And I'm like, oh, Amigo! <laughs> <laughs> that is really exciting how everything was, it's moving. We knew it was coming. Yeah. yeah. We had a very good feeling it was going to come. Yeah. But. It's nice to be right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's nice to be right, like when you hear Stormblood, when you hear Alamigo, when you start like, you know, seeing the places we're going and stuff like that. It's always nice, like as a community, when we're like, yeah, we worked that out. Shut up. <laughs> <We> <laughs> Shut up, right. your shit. Are we done? <laughs> we got it right. <laughs> oh, if you could describe FanFest in just a few words, how would you describe it? I don't know if I could describe FanFest in just a few words. Um, I overwhelming. I suppose like we don't we don't have any you know big conventions and stuff in my hometown in Sydney um, and furthermore we don't have anyone that plays Final Fantasy 14 so it was a combination of uh, you know the environment that I imagine you know, not everyone there but I imagine like most Americans that kind of attend these things like they, they kind of like realistic expectations of what's going to be like whereas for me like 10,000 people in a room it's just like there's rooms this big <laughs> the combination of that and the inside of the Paris being like something out of Disneyland uh, some kind of twilight zone is crazy um, uh, and the fact that I've got people like coming up to me asking for photos which is something that I've never ever had to deal with and you know something that takes a, a while to get your head wrapped around so I say overwhelming that's more than a few words <laughs> <laughs> so people found you then yeah people found me People found me. I, I think I was pretty easy to find. Yeah, we had some people, um, when we spoke with Anonymous earlier, um, he said he posted a picture of himself on Twitter and yeah. people found him, but that was something completely new to him. Yeah, well, that's because no one knows what Anonymous looks like because of the medium that he, he works in. Uh, I mean, you know, the name's a little bit telling, really, isn't it? And <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, when I met him, I was kind of surprised. He's very, he's very young. Um, I don't know what I was expecting to be honest, but but I yeah he introduced himself to me and I'm like no, no, no way, <laughs> no way. And I'm very much used to your videos, but only your voice, never your face. So it's really interesting well, to see you in person as well. Yeah, I watch Mr. Happy Show where you actually do show your face. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, people, people see me on State of Rome, and I think more people watch that than watch my stuff anyway. So. That was, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty easy to identify. I must be an outlier then. Yeah, so this is kind of the first time to, to really meet your fans. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was great. Like, I don't like describing them as fans. Like, I feel like I just made like thousands of new friends. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. That is great to hear. If it is at all possible, Hmm. could you describe your impressions of the lore book? My impressions of the lore book? Uh, look, I, I've sat down, I've flicked through it. I've got a 14 hour flight uh, (laughs) tomorrow night. Uh, I'm heading back home. Uh, over which I intend to, you know, just absolutely consume and demolish it. And um, so I'll be able to give you a better uh, impression then. But at the moment, it seems to be a lot more than what I was expecting. I was expecting it to basically take a bunch of sources that uh, are already available to us, you know, in game text and, uh, you know, stuff that's on the Lodestone, stuff that's been posted on the law forums uh, by Koji and, uh, and Odo. Uh, and just like centralizing that. What I didn't expect is that there's a, a whole bunch of stuff in there that I didn't know. I'm, I'm imagining uh, Anonymous probably, well, he probably knew slightly more than, than I did at least, but I imagine he was probably saying the same thing. There's a stuff in there that like he did not know or stuff that he was like speculating about, which is now confirmed. Um, and that's a really cool feeling too, like flicking through and I've been getting people like sending me messages being like, oh, you were right about this. <laughs> oh, snap. And um, yeah, that, that, that always feels great. Um, other than that, I'm a little I'm a little bit worried. I'm less so now, but I was a little bit worried about uh, at first that it might make me redundant. Oh, no. It might be taking my job. But there are so many more <laughs> mysteries that we haven't solved yet. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's the thing. And it just means that I have to work like a little bit harder because, you know, it's like it's a great resource for me. But, um, you know, it's it's uh, the laws become a lot more accessible for people, which is an awesome thing. And it means that I have to, I guess, go above and beyond. Uh, what that book is offering and that's what I intend to do and that's what you guys should be seeing from me over the next couple months awesome awesome well they did confirm that something like 30% of the information is brand new yeah and maybe 50% of it is rewriting things that have been scattered far and wide. Yeah, it's rewriting things that not only are they scattered far and wide, but they're written very sort of esoterically. You know, it'll be stuff that Rianger has said. Uh, it'll be stuff that's like, you know, it's quoted from Louis Soir's journals and uh, has been open for interpretation. And, you know, we've been speculating and trying to interpret it. Whereas uh, a lot of, I want to say plain English, because, uh, you know, Koji's language throughout the book, like it is, it is very flowery, but at the same time, it is, it is very direct and, uh, and informative. And it's not as, uh, like I say, as vague and esoteric as a lot of the sources that it's pulled mm-hmm. from, which is, which is excellent, it's great. But when you do look at how you interpret lore, it's pretty unique, I would think. It's incorporating history and real life mythology into mm-hmm. the world of Eorzea mm-hmm. and treating it like an academic subject, but adding your own interpretations to it from a sort of scholarly point of view. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you do that? Why? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, because there, there's a difference between being a historian and an archivist and being a commenter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I guess like, I don't know, I'm a bit confused about my role sometimes because like I try to do all of those things 
and I get like when I when I do like a stray law video it's just like describing things um, people will be like oh Ethos why don't you like speculate more on what you think and if I speculate more people are like oh it, it was good information but like it was really speculative <laughs> and like people people when I don't like go into like that history and mythology and all like the literary stuff I do they ask for it and when I do they're like oh that's you know I don't care about that I'm just talking about <laughs> very picky yeah so I don't know like yeah I'm, I'm a bit inconsistent but the reason the reason I do it and that is uh, I guess like what the channel is about, at least for me anyway, um, is because that's that's the kind of stuff that I've always been interested in. Um, I'm, a, I'm a literature major uh, and, a, and a philosophy major. Um, so it's the kind of stuff that I was studying uh, through my undergrad. And uh, yeah, I, I was basically like seeing it in the games that I was playing. And in Final Fantasy, it's so blatant, the references, because they'll just literally name things. Um, after you know these characters from mythology and from history and traditionally uh, in Final Fantasy games the the nature uh, and like the etymology of that name doesn't actually have much bearing like on the story and the character itself it's usually just a name that they've pulled out but with Final Fantasy 14 and I think Koji is uh, largely responsible for this it does actually tend to uh, inform uh, the way the world works and the way the stories uh, are formed in these in these namings but also you know in the kind of things that that influence him and influence the other uh, you know law builders and, uh, and main scenario writers but yeah really it's just because it's the kind of stuff that I look for in the things that I consume uh, you know, we, we do it to movies, we do it to, uh, you know, we do it to books, we do it to novels. And for some reason, people are still like really reluctant to treat uh, video games as a literary object. And some of them, uh, you know, definitely have, you know, more or less literary content than others. But uh, Final Fantasy is so, is so rich and there's so much more you can take from it than just, uh, you know, just escapism. That is awesome. Definitely. Wow. <laughs> Good answer. So, touching on, I guess, the, the controversy that, that you sometimes get around your videos, mm -hmm. was there ever a particular theory or commentary that your fans reacted really strongly against? Maybe it offended them? Or mm. well, and how did you react to that? When, when I first started, I, um, I was, I don't know, a little less meticulous in, in, uh, in, you know, reading over my scripts and stuff like that. I just like write something and I go and say it. So I would occasionally say things that like were just wrong. And I like, uh, you know, like in annotations or like uh, in my, uh, you know, in the comments somewhere, I'd like make it really clear that, you know, you know, edit, you know, and fix this and, and all that. But people like, they still absolutely slaughter you for that. Um, other than that, I mean, I occasionally, I occasionally say something that people think is like, slightly political and I try to avoid doing that but at the same time like you don't want to censor yourself particularly when you're doing like ad lib stuff you don't want to have to be like you know worrying about you know what you're going to say and how you're going to say it so I just like I just speak my mind and you know sometimes your mind uh, sidelines people and uh, you know that's that's just part of the part of the territory and you have to be able to deal with that yeah I can understand that because we editorialize things I think a bit from a character perspective we put our own interpretations but we try to keep in mind that these are our opinions mm -hmm. and we don't want to present them as fact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I try to do the same thing. I remember one in particular that surprised me that it didn't really offend anyone was uh, I did a video on uh, on The Tempered and uh, talking about them and the lack of like focus they get 
uh, in the game. It's like, oh, well, we have to kill them, and it's just like, and then they're done and they're gone. And I was sort of comparing that to, you know, various refugee crises. I was comparing that to, like, Holocaust victims. Um, and I thought it was a really dangerous video and before I recorded it I sent it to a bunch of friends that were like eh, maybe but um yeah people people seem to like really enjoy that one but like far less controversial things I've said have caused far more of a stir for some reason <laughs> uh, there was a video in particular that mm -hmm. I heard negative reactions from mm -hmm. from some of the people that I speak to okay so there was a video unmasking Ida that you did a little while ago, mm -hmm. speculating that she was either Garland or Alamiga, and of course that's been resolved. Mm -hmm. You start off the video by saying she is, quote, an idiot. <laughs> I found and that funny. I know some people might find that offensive, especially if they're invested, but like, I, I thought it was funny. I don't know. Well, well, I, I first heard about the video mm -hmm. itself from, from a Discord I'm in, and mm -hmm. someone was actually an Ida role player. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's their character. Mm -hmm. And she posted in the Discord, like, have you seen this new Ethos video? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then they just post the link. And I said, oh, well, what, what about it? She's like, I hate it. <laughs> you know, like, like, like you lost her immediately. And uh, what was your intention there? Was it to actually be dismissive or that was just... Was that just your opinion that you were stating, no, or was it just all. more I, for fun? I, I spent, you know, like most of a day writing about Ida and my, you know, analysis and interpretation of her and stuff like that. The thing is, YouTube as a medium, you have to entertain people as well as inform them. And mm -hmm. my style is, uh, I, I like to create like this dissonance between being uh, sort of very, you know, very detailed and very, uh, I guess. You know, really like like getting into it, and um, and on the other hand, you know, just like throwing in like a little bit of a a, a blunt hit every now and then, um, because I don't, I don't know, that's just that's just my style. I guess like it's my sense of humor or whatever. But um, no, I'm not I'm not dismissing Ida. I, I think Ida's an amazing character. I love her. Um, I think that she is not a Charlatan, and we know that now. And um, when when you go through all those early cutscenes when they're talking about here's how ether works and here's how this works and she's like yeah I I knew that and she'll be <laughs> yeah. like saying things and Papalimo would be like correcting her and stuff like that so honestly I think like that that is her character you know she, she that's what she's like how how does your how does your friend role play her? Um so I'm I have an alt I have four characters in FF14. Mm -hmm. One of them lives on Balmung, mm -hmm. and I'm in a small roleplay FC mm -hmm. that also includes uh, a couple of NPCs. Sure. Um, so I think I think she roleplays with us on Balmung and also mm -hmm. has a, a Tumblr bog for more like uh, long-form written content. Sure. I know that we have a Papalimo in the group too. We also have a couple of original characters. Sure. Yeah. So how does how does she interpret the character of Eda? Um, she was on the Garlean side of, of the spectrum. She was on the Garlean um, side. Basically someone that has a lot to hide mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. is an idiot more for the sake of putting on a persona mm -hmm. to hide who she really is. Okay. Yeah, and I think I think that that was definitely possible when I was entertaining the, the Garlean uh, idea. What, do you think that she'll have to change the way that she plays the character now? You know what? I think that all we know so far is that she's Elamigan and her 
personality almost hasn't changed mm-hmm. because we need to see her react more of her reaction to this revelation because mm-hmm. she, of course she was super defensive when uh, Gunbold like is in a little amigo and he's yeah, like oh and like she, like she obviously has a lot to hide but whatever mm-hmm. she has to hide hasn't been revealed from her mouth yes so I think there's, there's more to come there's definitely more to come I guess I guess the point that I'm trying to get at is that if someone's uh, interpretation of a character misaligns with mine it doesn't that doesn't bother me it happens to me all the time as characters that I'm very invested in um, that you know other people will you know think of differently to me and maybe it's because like I don't like literally put myself in their heads and like you know pretend to be them for a good amount of time but I think that if that kind of thing offends you you should um, just like give me a break you know let me let me have my opinions they don't mean anything more than yours um, I've, I've never, you know, advocating people like, you know, taking my word as gospel and, and like believing what I believe just because, you know, I say it. Um, you know, everyone, everyone's got to interpret it their own way and treat the characters their own way and whoever you're invested in, you're invested in, that's fine. Yeah, I definitely don't believe that there's one single interpretation of a character. Of course, Same here. There's so be. many different they ways you can be. play them. Yeah. yeah, not just because there are role players, they each have their own perspective. Mm. Um, and, you know, you'll find multiple people playing the same character in different ways, but because, oh, you know, a version of Eorzea exists in all of our heads. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there shouldn't be, like you say, you know, multiple people will play the same character or do it in different ways. There shouldn't be any conflict between them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that should be fine. You shouldn't, like... And I don't know if this happens, uh, but if you see, like, some, if you're playing, like, Papalimo and you see someone else playing Papalimo, you're like, oh, shit, my immersion. No, no. <laughs> Lord, I hate uh, them. Some people do. How dare you? No, admittedly, some people do do that, but yeah. others are just, like, some people embrace it. Yeah, yeah. They say, oh, another Papalimo, cool. this is great. I think that would be... I, like, think, I think people that are, like, offended by that or upset by that, I... I Again, I don't want to be dismissive because, like, you know, you just burn me for being dismissive, and that's and that's fair. But like, it's it's silly. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, why not roll with it? Yeah, you know, exactly. be like, are you a are you a copy of me from the you know one of the other worlds? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. It's and, like uh, an Arbit situation. Like, you can have a lot of. <laughs> I reckon you can have so much fun with that kind of scenario. Yeah. 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 You know, draw an X on your forehead and be like, no, shoot that one. No, no, no. You got to have a goatee. <laughs> you need so a goatee. The more people you, the you have one. in on this, the better. Yeah, absolutely. It's like absolutely. five Papalimos now. So I think like every everything you encounter uh, in, you know, my limited experience in role playing, like anything you encounter, you just got to take it in your stride. You know, it's like uh, you're not role playing in a bubble. You're role playing with other people. Uh, it's a discourse and, you know, it's, it's, it's give and take. And you can't like refuse to take things that are they're in the environment because they don't suit, you know, your idea of what the world is. Yeah, I mean that goes for in the game and also in role playing because you're of course you're kind of cre- collaboratively creating content with someone else. Yeah, and absolutely. you have to react to their writing just as they have to react to your writing. Yeah, absolutely. That is awesome. So here's something that I have noticed in most lore commentary mm-hmm. that I believe that we're trying to do a little bit differently at newscast. So of course, as role players, we tend to be very in touch with characters and their inner worlds, Mm -hmm. um, their feelings, and also their relationships with each other. Mm -hmm. And basically a lot of subjects that one could consider kind of Mm touchy-feely, you know, like we are talking about feelings. Mm -hmm. And... It's often overlooked. Yeah, I... It's it's not a... I'm not saying that this is a bad thing, but I'm, I'm thinking it's something that 
you know, lore commentators like you kind of overlook. And I'll mm -hmm. give you an example of that. You've done two videos, um, the lore walkthrough of Hallbreaker IRL hard mode, mm -hmm. and one on the history of Vilbrand. Mm -hmm. Both of them touch on speculating about how Mrovib recruited um, Einzar Slafferson, aka Miss Beard, to her side. Mm -hmm. And saying things like, you know, what does she have to do to convince him to, to like drop the persona of Miss Beard? Like, yeah, how could she have convinced him that this was the better way? And like, what, what could this, you know, alliance have looked like? And there was one thing I kept thinking in my head. I'm like, at this, you're forgetting one really important point mm -hmm. that it's kind of been implied that they're romantically involved. Yes, it, and it absolutely like, has been. That's in the lore. That is in 1.0. Yeah. That's not just me being crazy. Yeah, yeah. And but so why not bring that up? Like, why not bring the fact that like, yeah, they they came to this agreement. They agreed, but uh, also probably they were boning. Yeah, you know, I, BTW. I think I think it's because it's like so implicit in in their relationship when you see it in game that on one hand it kind of goes without saying, and on the other hand because well, I don't know I don't I don't like to I like to leave that kind of thing open ended when it comes to like the the interrelationships between the characters and stuff like that. It's something that I'm fascinated about and something that I like to think about, but uh, at the same time it's something that I guess is not is not so important to what. I'm doing. It's important to the way people consume the game and approach the game their own way. But that's the thing. I'm not going to tell people or, or try to convince people that they are or aren't romantically involved and that, you know, this character, you know, it does or does not feel this or that. Just because it's it's such a it's such a personal thing. You know what I mean? It's it's if it has no bearing on I guess on the story, on the world, um, uh, like directly, then I'd rather people just make up their own mind about about that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's really a valid point of view, but it, I guess it is something that's really important for role players. And mm -hmm. again, we're also not going up and saying um, like this is fact, but, but we will say this is our interpretation. I yeah. think that there's something going yeah. on, or I believe that there is. And um, you know, if you go to my Rover blog, that's what you're probably going to see once in a while. And we <laughs> yeah, like yeah, we yeah, like yeah. letting people know <laughs> yeah. that yeah. at the end of the day, it's up to you. You yeah. can you can support this. You can create an entirely different yeah. persona. As long as you're having yeah. fun, that's what's this important. Was, this was especially important when we were talking about like Harchavant and the Warrior of Light. Mm -hmm. Because even though we noticed this is kind of popular within the fan base, the thing is everybody's Warrior of Light is different. Yeah, you know, exactly. So yeah. You can... I mean, the thing is like, like everyone's going on about how, you know, or Chiffon may or may not be a homosexual. But the thing is like a lot of people play female characters. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't, like it doesn't align with that. Again, like the, the relationship that your character has with Orchifon is the relationship that your character has with Orchifon. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And yeah. it's and and it's weaved in such a way that it is open to interpretation. And uh, that's true of so many uh, interpersonal relationships in the game because you know I guess because they want to like enable people to like speculate about it without uh, you know without having to be like necessarily right or wrong or you know having have an argument about it. It's just uh, yeah, you play it, you play it your way, and you know, being able to enable role players to uh, you know to stretch their legs and you know do their own thing is a is a wonderful thing. Yeah, I mean, we definitely want to give our interpretations and ideas sure. on like on like a maybe level, but oftentimes the way characters feel each other at this point becomes very very important to the plot. Mm -hmm. You know, very, mm -hmm. comes very very important to the lore because mm -hmm. that's going to affect why characters do things and what they do. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, well, that's that's true. I, I feel like 
it is and it should be uh, very, very important. But on the other hand, we had a development in the character of, of Nero uh, over the course of the Crystal oh, Tower series. I really, yeah. really like Nero. I'm so excited that he's back. <laughs> I'm, excited, I'm excited that he's back, but I suspect that uh, that, uh, that character progression over the course of the of the Crystal Tower is just going to be thrown out the window and is going to be he's just going to be I'm back. hoping not I, I'm hoping not but I think it's just going to be straight back to the you know the pissing contest with Sid <laughs> and that's that's all it's going to be about and maybe we might see over the course of you know his arc in the main scenario we might see like uh, something similar to what happened to him in Crystal Tower sort of happening again um, but I feel like while, while it's true that with a lot of central characters, their relationships, particularly with us, uh, are very important to the plot, on the other hand, there's a lot of relationships that that they don't seem to, you know, bring to bear on the plot, where they could or where they should. Um, and again, I can't help but feel like it's because they want it to be uh, open for, for interpretation and remain open for interpretation. Yeah, I think it's actually more fun when a player can interpret you know, anything, friendship, you know, mentor, teacher, leader, mm-hmm. anything in either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And and absolutely. also, like, the, the game is young. If they're going to make any, you know, you know, maybe canonical relationships happen, like, mm-hmm. no, this was, you know, this is a thing, mm-hmm. they're not going to do it right now. Yeah. We hope that uh, the game is going to go on for a very long time, so I'm, yeah. not, I'm not in a rush. Let think, the characters grow. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think when we're talking about characters and we're talking about their relationships and like the impact it should have on like story events and stuff like that, I feel like what we're talking about there is like uh, proximity, uh, you know, and as they get closer and closer to us, they're obviously going to be more important or, you know, closer and closer to each other. They're going to have more of an impact on each other. But the nature of that closeness and what exactly that uh, complicite is, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a sexual thing, whether it's like a, a mentor thing, uh, I think that that, uh, if, you're, if you're a good writer, I think that that should always be more open. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. While we were we were talking a little bit about Horshifan, do you happen to have? I think an I know NPC the answer. I think I know the answer to this question, but we are wondering once and for all: Do you have a favorite NPC character, and why? Why do you like that character? Uh, first of all, what what do you think I'm gonna say? I think you're gonna say Gaius. You're absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> two for two. Woo! We also guessed Anonymous's favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, Anonymous is is uh, Stalman. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, everyone knows that. He's a mate. He's a great character too. I, I reckon um, he's he'd be a close second for me. Him and and Merlub would probably be. A close Aww. Second. Aww. <laughs> I love Merlub. Merlub is a very good character but, uh, though. Yeah, guys, guys is absolutely my favorite character, and um, I think it's because he's such a he's such a unique and interesting villain. Uh, he's a pragmatist. Um, all of that stuff that we got about uh, you know through two about um, you know, our our gods are no different from Primals. They're just icons, and uh, you know, and he's trying to save the realm. And when we look back at 1.0 and the fact that he undermines uh, Meteor, and like you know, the whole realm would have been destroyed if he wasn't leaking information to us in 1.0, um, because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want uh, he doesn't want to conquer a barren land. It's not he's not power for power's sake. 
Uh, he's a pragmatist. He wants to save people. He's got an idea. You know, he's an idealist. I just said he's a pragmatist, and then I said he's an idealist. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I let's 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 not go into that. I'm, I I don't think those two are necessarily mutually exclusive. I'm not going to go into that right now. But um, he's not he's not a typical villain. Um, he's uh, he's far more complicated than uh, well he was far more complicated than I think any other character in the game before Heaven's Ward. You know, the Scions were all fairly two-dimensional mm-hmm. uh, prior to before the fall. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, he's just, every, he's great. Everyone knows he's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? They know because of you. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think there's, I don't think, I'd love if if, uh, if you guys have got anyone commenting or taking emails or anything, I would love to hear uh, someone making a criticism of, of Gaius because I just think it's, uh, it can't, it can't be done. <laughs> well, when this airs, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, we will be like, come at, come on, come, come at him, come at him. <laughs> yeah. So, what moment in the story, any kind of quest line, be it main scenario hmm. or otherwise, and we'll say maybe past 2.0, 3.0. No, no, anywhere, anywhere since anywhere? 1.0. All right. So, anywhere since 1.0. Mm-hmm. Has there been a moment that had just a huge emotional impact on you? A huge emotional impact on me? Yes. That, like, really punched you in the feels. Hmm. Hmm. That's a, that's a really, really hard one because I'm a heartless, unfeeling, <laughs> cold bastard. Um, and you all know that. Um, I, I want to go with, I want to go with Coil. Um, when... Uh, we get the reveal, I think it's turn 10 or turn 11, we get the reveal that uh, all of the Merisidians have been, you know, bottled up uh, for the purpose of, you know, of keeping Bahamut intact. I think it's actually turn 9. No, no, not turn 9. No, because turn 9 is now uh, 10. No, okay, no, it must be yeah, 10. Yeah, it's, t- yeah. it's the first it's, one in yeah, Final yeah, Coil. Yeah, it's after, yeah, it's right after we defeat him, the good. And Alize just has this moment where she's like, oh my God, how did I not see this before? And she's completely overwhelmed by it. And um, uh, yeah, and then and then that for me was like the point where we sort of understood like the true heights of the sort of depravity uh, of the elegance. Um, and I don't know why, because there's far more, you know, there's far more like very kind of personal, like oh no, this character I really love is gone forever. <laughs> um, you know, Moonbreeder, Minfilia, stuff like that. Um, Three, all 3.4 was like a massive hit, hit in the fields uh, with the Warriors of Darkness. But I think that that moment for me personally was uh, was definitely the one that sort of resonates uh, the greatest. Yeah. It's a very personal thing and, and very, very subjective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Coil was during A Realm Reborn and I think we were all just sort of like learning about the story. It was still fairly early on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was a very... For... for well... I mean, Anonymous, he was in here. He's been doing this since, you know, like 2010. He's been doing this since 1.0. Um, for me, 2.0, like, I was still learning a lot about Eorzea and about the world. Obviously, I still am now. But um, I didn't know all of that much when I started. I was, like, discovering. And I was just, like, writing and producing things as I was discovering them. So it was, like, a really, really exciting time for me. It was moments like that that, uh, yeah, that I'll really, you know, remember for a long time. Awesome, awesome. So, as a big fan of your videos, mm-hmm. I couldn't help but notice when you did FF14 Abridged mm-hmm. that you did these series of walkthrough videos narrated from the point of view of a character mm-hmm. called 
Methus Masher. Mm-hmm. Clearly no no, <laughs> no resemblance. Well, well, it was yeah. Rugen. No relation. <laughs> it was Rugen. It was a Russo, so therefore it's not the same. Yeah. yeah. But this character had a backstory. He had feelings and reactions to things. Mm-hmm. And that really felt to me a bit like role-playing. Yeah. Was that your intention? Yes, that was my intention. All Absolutely. right. Nice. All right. That's um that was like my outlet. No one no one role plays uh, on Tonberry. No one would. No, no. <laughs> we need to find you some role players on Tonberry. Yes. Nobody wants to role play with we you. will find them. Don't you worry. Um yeah, no, that was that was absolutely my intention. I wanted uh again because as you've said like I don't really explore relationships and stuff like that a lot. I'm I'm very uh, you know, analytic in most of the stuff that I do, and it's sort of like looking at things from a distance. I don't really like, you know, get up close. Um, the point of a bridge for me was to immerse myself in the character of the Warrior of Light, um, and I guess learn m- more about those relationships and explore those relationships. And honestly, I haven't, I haven't like taken that far enough at the moment. I lost, I lost a bunch of footage. I lost. Uh, uh, like hours and hours of footage. Oh man! Um, so you know, I did that thing where you're just like, oh fuck it, I'm, you know, I, I I don't want to think about that. I'm gonna like put that on the back shelf and come mm. back to it. And people are constantly asking me to come back to it because, um, you know, because obviously like people do like to see you know role play related content. Um, and uh, for those of you who are wondering and who are gonna be asking me, you don't have to ask. It's fine. Method Smasher will return. I did say that. <laughs> I <meant> it. <laughs> um, but yeah, to answer your question directly, yeah, that's that's I, I, I it's uh, not particularly artful role playing, but it is role playing, definitely. There you go. That's it's awesome to hear mm-hmm. that, like you know, someone as well known as you, you know, is a supporter of this. Yeah, I you love know, it. Then, yeah. then enjoys it. You know, yeah. whether or not you have time to kind of take yeah. it to the next level, like it's something that anybody can enjoy. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. especially if you're into lore already. And you have that environment in which to build a character. Mm-hmm. So you said nobody role plays though on Tonberry. Uh, okay. <laughs> Do I have to qualify that? <laughs> you can if you like. I know very, very few people that role play on Tonberry, and the ones that do, it's uh, it's not the kind of role playing that. I would be particularly interested in. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go any further. Than that. <laughs> All right. Mm, I have a suspicion. I do as well. <laughs> so when you're not making content, when when you're not making YouTube videos and appearing mm-hmm. on other people's shows, what do you do in game? What what's, do I do? Yeah, what's, I know, what's your end game? Um, I know you're doing a bit of raiding. Yeah, I, well, I do a lot of raiding. Like welcome yeah. to the club. I, <laughs> I and and you viewers might not like to hear this from me, but if um. If Final Fantasy XIV didn't have good raids, I wouldn't be playing it. I'm not, that is totally fine. I'm not playing because of the lore. I really, I really enjoy the lore and the story, and I think it's great. But you know, 1.0 had that, and it was a shocking game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I raid. That's what I do. I raid and I progress, and I find that very, very, very rewarding. Um, and that's that's what I'm all about. The lore for me is just. Uh, I don't know. It's just a, a personal obsession. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Glamour, maybe, or, or decorating houses. I I have I've zero interest in housing. Um, we have a nice FC house, and uh, and I'm a tenant of someone who's very very good at doing the housing stuff. Uh, glamour is important to me because it is very very hard to glamour in Elzen. <laughs> it is not easy, and. There are very, very few things that will look good on me. I would have thought that would have been fairly easy. I, I do it from a Lalafell perspective. 
And it's so hard to do tank glamour as a Lollafell. Yeah, but you can slap anything on a Lollafell and it'll look adorable. Whereas, whereas <laughs> with an Ellison, you need to make sure that there's like the neck is covered, otherwise you look like a giraffe. Um, and you need to make sure like the arms are covered as well. They're just like really, they're really lanky. They're really like oddly proportioned. You know what I mean? I think they're fine. <laughs> I think they're beautiful. Personally... Yeah, no, they're great. Yeah, I, I just didn't. One, I, I didn't know that glamouring in Ellison. I don't know. Maybe maybe some of you guys listening can uh, can corroborate on this uh, if you play Ellison. But I feel like it's a sort of given that you know Ellison is is a difficult uh, race to glamour. Hmm. We will look forward to hearing everybody's reactions to that. <laughs> well, all I know is that everything looks good on Makote. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's true. Quite true. Yeah, that's quite true. I think that's true. <laughs> uh, Crafting or gathering, maybe? Uh, yeah, look, I do. I do a little bit of uh, a little bit of mining just to like make myself money and stuff like that. But uh, I don't. I don't particularly enjoy it. <laughs> Same here. Same here. And crafting is just too stressful. I, I can confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, raiding is stressful too, right? Yeah. But it's fun once you clear it. Just the feeling of of clearing that new content. I don't know. I don't. I don't find raiding particularly fun. stressful to be honest because you know crafting is like the RNG and it's like there's like a lot at stake whereas raiding there's not like there's not really anything at stake until yeah. un unless you're like you know eight minutes into a pool and you're like oh, oh we can we oh can we push it and get this clear and then someone dies and you're like no fuck you no <laughs> um yeah but then I mean what's that you've lost eight minutes Whereas, you know, if you stuff up your crafting, you've potentially lost millions and millions and millions of gil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is worth a lot more than eight minutes. <laughs> uh, it is kind of bizarre sometimes how short pulls can be. It, mm -hmm. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. Like, like most enraged timers are like 13 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, you get done with that and you feel like you've been there for like 30. It's like the most intense 13 minutes. Well, that's the thing. It's like, uh, you, you know, you try sprinting for like 13 minutes. It's, it's very involving using all of your senses, you know, you're highly, highly focused. And it's it's exhausting. I don't, I don't know if that's true for everyone, but I find like doing a raid for 13 minutes, a high intensity raid is exhausting it is and doing it for like two lockouts i yeah. know some people do you do multiple multiple yeah yeah, groups? yeah yeah we yeah we tend to do two lockouts yeah but like i know some people where they have two lockouts mm -hmm. two raid groups mm -hmm. and sometimes they do it on the same night and look I don't, I they've don't, got some stamina i don't feel <laughs> i don't feel compelled to do that and if i did i would be very frustrated because i certainly do not have the stamina yeah no, so it's if the that's same you here. then you know good good luck to you that's awesome that's very cool. Awesome to hear. So, in addition to your work in FF14, I've noticed that you've got a new podcast out called The Lucid Grind. That's right. Will you tell everybody more about that? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, I guess The Lucid Grind for me is something that I feel is, is important uh, and is valuable. I want to have conversations with people about the way that uh, digital media sort of affects their lives, sort of, you know, in a positive and negative way. I want to celebrate it, but I do also want to challenge it. Um, so my initial idea was thinking of people, uh, you know, with mental health problems uh, or people with disabilities and the way they use like online communities uh, to network and to significantly bring down, you know, rates of, uh, you know, suicide, for instance. Um, and uh, enabling people to, I guess, you know, socialize and like have, have an experience they wouldn't normally be able to have. Uh, I was recently 
uh, talking to a friend of mine uh, who suffers from autism, I did an interview with him, um, about the way that, uh, you know, MMORPGs can give people with autism a, a sort of safe, uh, I guess a safe testing ground uh, for developing social skills, which they, they can then, you know, transfer into their real lives and make them, you know, more productive, more, uh, uh, I guess, uh, cope better with their with their sort of day to day. So it's a it's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's about how online communities, you know, bring people together. But it's also about, um, and I haven't had many conversations yet, but I do want to find like some people who who like challenge it a little more, and I want to talk about you know the ways that. Uh, that there are sort of links between uh, mental health problems and, you know, spending 18 hours a day playing WoW. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and whether that's, you know, a correlation or, or whether there's like a, a causal link there um, is a really, really interesting thing that I want to explore. Um, and I think it's a conversation that, you know, that n- not many people are having. Yeah. Really interesting, yeah. I've only listened to a few, and and they mm-hmm. each episode seems to really vary by the guest. Like it has yes. the guest perspective. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's all about the guest. Um, I've I've always found that um, it's it's far easier for me to listen than to speak. Um, and it took me a very long time to adjust to doing like you know solo content, uh, precisely because it comes more naturally to me to ask other people questions and sort of steer them in places um so i really i really 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 enjoy uh conducting interviews um and it's something that you know i don't do as much as i would like and i yeah i just i just find the whole experience very very cathartic very rewarding um and i love the fact that uh you know other people are getting the, the same kind of thing out of it yeah that's I'm look- wonderful I'm looking forward to reading more because it's something that you can do that's that's independent of F14. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the problem I'm having at the moment is that um, I don't know anyone else. Oh. So it's like, you know, I can, I can only like interview the people that I know, the people that I have contact with. So I'm talking to you know, people, I'm talking to like Twitch streamers. I'm talking to, you know, like other, uh, you know, well-known Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, personalities and like I'd love to go beyond that but I just don't have the networking skills for it <laughs> I think I think it will come on t- in time yeah and, and so that's well. that's that's what I think as well is that you know it'll, it'll slowly expand more people will hear about it I've had a lot of people like putting their hands up and saying you know I'd love to come on um, I don't I don't want to like um, uh, I don't want people to think anything's confirmed but I've talked to a couple of uh, like larger streamers like um, uh, like Tiger Rider and uh, like Brutato who have expressed interest um, for for people like that? It's really just about you know nailing them and chasing them down and getting a time and stuff like that because obviously they're very very busy people. Um, uh, Chenin Matthews, aka uh, Akmorn, uh, has agreed to to do one with me soon. I'm really excited for nice, that. Nice, nice. Well. That's great. So like I say, it's sort of it's expanding slowly. And, <laughs> you know, it'll pick up momentum. We'll keep growing. Absolutely, will. So I know that you and I talked a little bit on Thursday mm-hmm. for the convention, mm-hmm. and I got to say, I was really, really pleased to hear that not only you listened to Musecast and enjoyed it, but you binge listened to it. I, <laughs> like, I like what greater compliment could, could we <laughs> <Yeah>. get, <laughs> you know? Well, I did. I, I hadn't heard of you guys until you contacted me, and I was like... Oh, hang on, because I won't. I like I won't sign up for anything. Like when people ask me to do things, unless like you know, I've I've like consumed a bit of their content, and unless I feel like you know it's something that I can get behind. 
Um, I'm not. I, w- I won't say yes to everyone. You know, like just just because I want to. You know, just because I want to like be promoted and I want to like reach more people, that's not that's not good enough for me. Um, yeah, so I sat down, I listened to your first episode. I was like, wow, these guys have like a really good dynamic. And then I just, yeah, I just found myself like I was doing some work and I just like listened through the every single episode in an afternoon. I was like, wow, this is this is great. This is fucking great. Oh I'm loving man, this. all right. <laughs> As is Asher, Musecast listeners. That's, that's a step of approval. Honored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And I know we don't have time today to get into like a real lore discussion or character mm-hmm. discussion, mm-hmm. but were there any points that you noticed that maybe you wanted to argue with us on? Ooh, oh, I don't know. Do you, so I'm going to assume that everyone listening by now has seen the 4.0 trailer. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so by this point, most likely, right. yes. So I'd, I'd love to hear your opinions on uh, on two points. Firstly, is that Ida? I'm going to vote for Ida's sister mm-hmm. um, because it, it doesn't seem like a flashback to me. I don't. I can't think of any point in the past where it could be, and obviously she doesn't have a you know, circle of knowing tattoos. Mm-hmm. I'm and, sort of uh, torn. I am torn between it being her, being somebody close to her, could be her sister. Mm-hmm. But the the way that she fights, I think, is somewhat different from how Ida is. Mm-hmm. Ida's a bit more direct mm-hmm. from my understanding of her and how she fights. You know, and you know who else has changed their fight style significantly recently? Robon. Thankred. Thankred. Yeah. Well, Robon as well, but Thankred. The, yeah, well, they were extenuating circumstances. <laughs> behind yeah. That. Well, Unfortunately. Yeah, well, there, and there may well be extenuating circumstances behind this. Hmm. It could be. Yeah. But I mean, the woman in the trailer is like half monk, half dancer. Yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on the fence about this. Like, I'd love to see Dancer. I would absolutely love that. It'd be fantastic. Same here. But I don't think that was Dancer. I don't think that was it. I think that it might be Dancer, mm-hmm. but it's, it's too soon to tell. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And the devs were very... Secretive? Yes. <laughs> very secretive about how they went about presenting it. And they said, mm-hmm. oh, it's monks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I think to go back on the point about Ida uh, and the tattoo, not having the tattoo there would serve two really important purposes. Firstly, if the tattoo is there, then everyone knows it's Ida, and like mm-hmm. that's that's just obvious. And it's like, you know, there's there's no there's no room to speculate. There's no room to wonder. Um, yeah, they could have easily, uh, you know, decided not to not to use it. Secondly, in the last trailer we got, they had the wrong fucking dragon, right? So the people, <laughs> the people that are making these CG cutscenes, they've dropped the ball before. <laughs> so, That's true. Yeah, I look, I want it to be Ida. Um, I have entertained the idea of it being Ida's sister. I know Mr. Happy thinks that the Eda that we're traveling with is actually Eda's sister and is like mm. a red I've heard that as well. Yeah, and it's like a, a way to like lure the Garlands, uh, you know, away from the attention of the real Eda, you know, yeah. being this, you know, of royal blood or whatever while she's been, you know, doing her thing at, at, at Rolga's Reach preparing for, uh, you know, a counter-revolution. Um, so I think that that's a possibility as well. But I, I want that to be Eda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm also curious, you know, while we're here, was there anything in the show that we brought up that like you would challenge? Mm, no, 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 not really. All right, we're all right. Okay, excellent. Yeah, you're all right <laughs> all the time about for everything. <laughs> everything we say is can- there's so much with just the release of this lore book. There's a lot that we want to go back and say. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So I talked a bit about my reactions to the lore book already, but just in this moment right now, I feel like my world has been turned upside down mm-hmm. on many different levels. There mm-hmm. were things that 
I was speculating about that I was right. There were things that I was wrong. And if I was wrong, I have to change, you know, the way I think about Eorzy as a whole, the mm-hmm. way I think about the characters that I'm attached to, like mm-hmm. Merlbib. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's so much. And I've only read tiny, tiny little slivers of it. And yeah. I, I don't have a 14-hour plane ride. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. only about five hours. But uh, <laughs> it's going to be right by my side. I'm going to cradle it. <laughs> I know where you I think for me, like, at the moment, it seems a lot of people are, like, going back and watching old videos of mine because I've been getting some comments on, on like, really old videos being like, oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and, others, and others being like, oh, my God, Eth is Jesus. Oh, shit. <laughs> Um, so I think there's a lot of that going on and like, I'm a little bit about that because like, it's cool that, you know, I'm right about some things, but it's not going to be that many things. Um, so like new, I I feel like there could be a trap where like new subscribers to the channel will watch like a video from like two years ago and be like, the fuck are you talking about? The, the law book says. (laughs) (laughs) Like check the date, dude. Yeah. So it's like, it's like every video that I've done on like, you know, civilizations and characters and stuff like that. I feel like I have to go back and do it again. Oh man. Just keep on being added at that rate. You're just going to have to keep on going back and back and back. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it gives me easy content to make and you know, if people are going back and like criticizing old videos like that's that's views for me you know that's <laughs> nice good. that's good yeah. for me <laughs> yeah i mean even in our show there were things that i mean speculation is speculation but mm-hmm. there were also things that i guess were unclear before yeah you know like things that i we thought were true but was from sort of unreliable source yeah yeah, yeah you know exactly. like because everything was so scattered before yeah, yeah. now it's like it's everything's centralized, yeah. centralized it's, not, it's not canonical centralized but yeah but even just thinking back to even our last episode, I was like, shit. <laughs> What's this you're referring to that you said? Huh? What's this you're referring to that you said? Um, I don't know why I assumed that Imerick grew up poor. Mm-hmm. But but he but he the, grew up rich. Yeah, and I and I was like, first I don't know where I got this idea. Like mm-hmm. I could have sworn it was true, but I think we based it too much on Game of Thrones culture. No, I think I based it too much on maybe the interpretations of role players I read. Like, like that's a strong possibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That it just made so much like sense pop, at the time. Popular interpretation. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe um, it could be top popular interpretation, role player interpretation. But sometimes things mm. just they just seem so true. They make so much sense that you mm. don't actually question them. Like mm. you don't realize that you've made actually a huge assumption. Mm. And that changes. Like this, I went on this whole big point about like, oh, he came from poor and now he's a noble. And like, how does that affect how he thinks about his life? And I'm like. <laughs> Oh, right. No. Screw that. But there, there is, like, a lot in his character that, you know, he, like, he resents uh, kind of... The nobility. The and the no culture, yes. yeah. And the power, and he resents that culture. So it does make sense that that would come from someone who was, like, not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. But at the same time, it seems to be driven by guilt in a lot of ways. Maybe he takes notice of everything that's around him. Yeah. And he knows he's very lucky. Yeah. Anyway, we're going a lot into lore. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're going on a lore tangent again. Jeez, oh, <laughs> that oh, never how that never that happens. Have no, <laughs> I have no clue. Oh man, oh man, uh, yeah. But I, I know I know that feeling. I'm just hoping that the lore book also brings more people into you know the lore obsessed community fold. I have no you know, doubt. Absolutely not. You know, because among my friends that I know, like, really, really wanted them, they were people that I wouldn't normally consider as lore nuts. Mm -hmm. They weren't role players or anything like that. They're just 
your average player, but mm-hmm. they want to know more about the world anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no way that you can read that book and not be fascinated by the characters in there. Yeah, absolutely. Or have it jog your imagination about your Warrior of Light and your original character. Yeah, I think I think it would definitely serve to uh, to bolster both the RP community and you know my community, which is you know, it's great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one of the ways how FanFest has really made so much positive change mm-hmm. in our community. Yeah, it's a place to, to have announcements and get big news, but mm-hmm. like this has just been such an experience for me. It's the first time we came here as podcasters. Mm-hmm. And I came here in 2014, and I was a huge fan of the game, but I wasn't nearly as emotionally invested as I am now. So mm. it was just it was just crazy awesome yeah well it's been all about the community for me and like you know i can play final fantasy 14 at home i do <laughs> every day for far too long <laughs> um so you know people are like oh yeah, this is, what have you, you done the 24 man have you done the challenges i'm like no nah, dude i'm just like hanging out talking to people like i'm here for the community you know i'm here to like you know put faces to names and like talk to people that i want to talk to and that want to talk to me and uh, you know, really get more immersed and invested uh, in the community because that's uh, yeah, that's what I'm into. That's why I do it. Awesome, so, awesome. Yeah. We're really glad that you could make it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, thank you again for joining us at this Asher confirmed Musecast listener. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> While you're on here, are there any kind of shout outs that you would like to make? Oh, shout outs, geez. Well, I'd, I'd like to thank everyone that, uh, that supported the campaign to get me over here. Um, I think you all got t-shirts that you requested, I hope so. Um, but thank you so much, I, I wouldn't, well I'd be here, but I would be, I'd be even skinnier than I am now. <laughs> um, and that wouldn't be real good, so thank you all so much. Uh, obviously I'd like to thank everyone from the, from the Dream Team. Uh, Mel has been working her ass off the whole weekend, and that's been incredible. Uh, the same with uh, with the community team, uh, the Final Fantasy fourteen community team. They've been working for like two weeks straight without rest, um, and they're all they're all heroes. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and honestly, the LBR crew as well because they gave me my first uh, my first sort of public appearance, I guess, inviting me onto their podcast way back when. Um, and you know, started the bowl rolling. The the bowl rolling, dyslexia confirmed. Um, <laughs> so yes, thank you, thank you to all those people, and to you know everyone, everyone listening now. Uh, we appreciate you, and uh, we're sorry if you couldn't make it. But uh, you know, I'm sure these guys are gonna give you as visceral an account as possible. Yeah, we will try. <laughs> yeah, this is actually the last part of our of our fun. F- oh well, in that case, I'm sure these guys will have given you as visceral an account as possible and yeah. uh, if not I hope you uh, don't let them live it down yeah it's it's the last part of our <laughs> FanFest commentary it's been quite a wild ride three episodes we expected yeah. one as usual we dragged it on this happens like every time you know like every time we're like okay let's do the older episode and it'll be maybe two parts and we move it into three, three. Ishgard yeah. I never thought Ishgard would have no, been actually two I never thought Ishgard would have been two episodes when we first started that we were like Oh, what are we gonna write about? I don't know. Let's think of something. Uh, like by the time we're done, we're like, and you just this keep is... going and going. Yeah, we yeah. have way too much to say. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. even with you, Athos, we've gone on and on and on. So that's what uh, I do. Yeah, I mean, from us at Musecast, since this is the end of our FanFest coverage, we'd like to thank everybody that we met at FanFest, everybody that interviewed with us, every other podcaster and creator 
that we met. Thank you all. And this is like the be- a new beginning almost for us. And we're super looking forward to Stormblood. We're super, we're looking forward to the next fan fest, honestly. <laughs> Whatever, anything, yeah. anything that the future has to offer. Yes. It's looking good. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, listeners. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to MuseCast 14. Tune in next time when we'll be discussing The Nation of Gridania, Part 1. Happy adventuring, and may you ever walk in the light of the crystal.